0: enough. That's why we have KWVA2. KWVA2
1: is an online-only stream designed to provide you with even more exciting content, including more live sports. To access the stream and view a schedule, visit our website at kwva.uoregon.edu. Now live at six (coughs) o'clock. KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show, it's quack smack. I like talking, talking sports. Quack smack, what? Quack smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quack, quack.
1: Quack, quack, Now I'm on the show and I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quacksmack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show.
0: The beautiful voice of Levi Birdfold to uh, to ring you into your Wednesday Thursday afternoon. Uh, welcome inside the KWVA Studios for your Director's Edition. Minus two directors, plus like a half director, <laughs> plus a debut. It's uh, we've we've got a whole whole slew of people. We're plus steps, plus a director that's in studio, but as that director does, you know, doing nothing. Um, it's a day. It's a day to be. It's a, it's a day to be a duck. It's a day to be a college football fan. Shout out uh, NCAA, whatever. This next year is twenty five.
2: Summer's gonna go crazy. Yeah, it is. It's a lot funny. of video
0: games will be played. Um, how are we doing? Oh. Austin Oda, Jason Hardrick, Saul Gavon, Blaze Winston, Levi Burkhold over in Prod. Jason, your debut, how are you feeling?
3: I feel good. Um, i had a tough week in school. We had a big essay, like, you know. You we know the did. The ethics do <laughs> two days, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did you do on that? How do you feel you did on that?
3: Uh, I feel like I did pretty good, like, after she explained, like, how to do it.
0: Yeah. It was, uh, it was rough. I didn't enjoy doing it. So, well, how are you?
2: I'm good, you know, surviving, making it through week 6. I mean, we're we're on the back half of the term now and it's you know, we're past midterms and we're getting to that point now where, you know, spring starting to, spring weather starting to come through and I'm excited. I want to get back outside and, you know, hit the rock fields, <coughs> take some walks outside, you know, enjoy the the beautiful weather that Eugene has to offer. Hit the links. Hit the links. You already know me. See?
0: But you had a. I heard you had a good day with uh, with Brody and Knight the other day.
2: You know what? I got to say, like, if for Knight's first time playing golf, he's not that bad. And really? same thing with Brody. Like, he has some really good skills. Like, honestly, but Brody,
0: like, golfed in high school.
2: I think, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Knight, too, like, it was probably his second time swinging a club, and he, like, did pretty solid, which yeah? amazed me, honestly. What'd he shoot? Probably, like, a 120 or 130. What'd you shoot? It was, like, probably a 76, 77, okay. maybe. Any hole in but it was on an executive course. It was a shorter course. So it was all like par threes and stuff, but still not a bad. What do you,
0: what, what's your like, what's, what's your best average golf? on like
2: a regular 18 hole course, probably like a 86, 87, which I mean, it's, 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 not bad. it's, it's not an bad. average for, you know, a golfer who doesn't golf much, but you know, I'd, you could play like junior college golf. <laughs> I could, you know, I'll go try out. I mean, huh? I do, I did want to try for the club golf team, but sure. you know, then I was thrown into the role of assistant director and I'm like, you know what? Poor you. Well, my priorities right. take point here.
0: I uh my my buddy Carson who's who's coming here next year is a is a junior college golfer.
2: I saw that. I saw it in his profile. You guys will we 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 gotta get a match going. We have we have a lot of golfers in the in the K Jason, you golf at all?
3: Mini golf is the only golfing I do. That's the realer, yeah. realer golf.
2: That's the real golf. On, huh? right. I, I will say that mini golf is like a lot more fun than, yeah, yeah, like regular yeah. golf sometimes because you just don't fun. get mad. You know, it's all fun. Well, well right? I don't know. If well, if you don't get mad, then you're not playing mini <laughs> I, golf. I, I was so gonna go. say, <laughs> hey, I have played golf with you guys, so I don't know how you guys react to I, mini golf. I mean,
0: <laughs> next time you play mini golf, let me know. I'm a, I'm a big mini golf. I'm a big bowling guy. I really, i big bowling. I, I love really bowling. Enjoy bowling in the winter
2: time. A good bowling session. Yeah, it's
0: what's your, what's your like bowling average?
2: Probably like a one twenty one. 30. Yeah, that's, I mean that's like I was, I if I'm it. I'm if I'm like on it, I can probably get up to 150. Yeah. I've never bowled more than 175, which is like my goal now. It's like to get past 175. I see guys that bowl like 220s and I'm like, just yeah. how, "How?" There's
0: there's those whenever you go to the uh, there's such a specific like bowling lane f- or bowling b- bowling alley feel where it's just like, you know, there's the guy at the end of the court in like, you know, the the, the tank top and the and the, the sweatpants on that is sweating his absolute butt off and just like chucking it every time but he's rolling like at like two sixty, two seventy. like that's that's uh that's the bowling alley it, it, the, the the eugene bowling alley is just that that feeling that person right oh there. trust me
2: it's it's uh-huh. everywhere i can you, i can yeah, say from experience everywhere. that's not just eugene it's everywhere But you,
0: you just don't know like what are you no offense what are you doing with your life to be bowling 270 on a wednesday night in eugene oregon like uh what's what's going on there Legend uh, in the making, and how can I how can I become <laughs> that? Right, that's, that's the real question. Um, should we talk about sports?
3: Yeah, we, let's do it. Let's yeah, we might sports. as well. We're here.
0: Uh, Oregon softball uh, on the road again, down in San Diego. Yeah, Knight Aiden headed down today. Knight made a scorebook. Knight was not at our meeting, but he made a scorebook, <laughs> and that's that's really what matters. Uh, it's the a good games, scorebook. The games will not be streamed anywhere. We are the only place that is covering these games basically the whole weekend. So shout out KWVA. Uh ten on Friday, ten AM on Friday. Um I have a question after this, after I read out these uh these times. Twelve thirty PM Friday, twelve thirty Saturday, five thirty Saturday, ten on Sunday. So this is a story about my good friend Levi Bergfold. Um Oh I need to hear this. Oh yes And when uh when, when Levi came to the station he had emailed Ryan, and he was like, "Hey, I want to get involved. Like, like what time should I show up and where?" And Ryan emails back and he's like, "Twelve thirty or seven thirty on Mondays." And Levi responds with, "A.M. or P.M." <laughs> 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 so, our question at that time was, "What is the acceptable time to start asking A.M. or P.M.?" Because I don't think meeting in college and think, "Oh yeah, seven thirty A.M." Like I would. Kind of assume at seven thirty p.m. What's the like? Is there an
2: acceptable meeting time that can go both ways? Because I think maybe eight eight to eight yeah. thirty. Yeah, eight to yeah. eight to nine maybe. I mean, uh, it's, like I never noticed that some like college meetings like they end pretty late. Like some oh yeah, sometimes like yeah. chapters and like just different club meetings get out like nine nine thirty, and it's my hello it's like,
0: group shut out gets out nine uh,
2: yeah, thirty. There on you go. Mondays and Thursdays. You got personal experience, but yeah, I think 10:00. like. I think 8 a.m. is a good time because, I mean, well, obviously we have 8 a.m. classes, so right. a lot of people have, like, 8 a.m. meetings, so I think 8 a.m. is probably a good good time, but 7.30, I mean, that's yeah. that's a little bit of a stretch, you even though it's be, only a half hour off.
3: You'd be crazy off. to wake up that early to go to an actual meeting.
2: Well, Levi Levi wakes up at, what, like 5?
0: I mean, he's also, he's old. He, he has to experience as much of his day as he can before he, before he gets too old, so.
2: It's a good thing he's not a... Uh, He's not on the mic tonight. You right. have some comebacks <laughs> yeah. in the back pocket.
0: Ready. He's ready. Um, <laughs> but let's, ready. <laughs> but let's talk about Oregon softball. Um, really good week for the Ducks last weekend. It's an eerily similar um, start to the season as they had last year, where they lose game one against a team that isn't necessarily great at the moment, but a team that I think is going to end up kind of rising in the rankings. Three okay wins against some not great teams, followed by a loss to the top team in the tournament. The 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 classic, whatever it was called, the NFCA leadoff classic kind of went exactly as you could have expected it to go. You knew Oregon was probably going to lose to Clemson and 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 fight against all the other teams. We're going to dominate Missouri State and Army. I I thought it was going to be a little closer against Liberty. I thought they were going to beat in Indiana, but I don't think there's anything negative about the first weekend of softball for Oregon. So, I'm going to open the floor. What are our first What are what are our preliminary thoughts on the weekend?
2: I mean, yeah, I, overall I think it was a positive weekend. I mean, obviously you come out with two losses over six games. It's it's not ideal even though it is a winning record, but I think like you said, Indiana, it's the first game, you know, they haven't played since fall ball. And even then, you know, that was just kind of like they're playing against teams that are not really quite in their level. So this is the first time they're getting action against a team that I think, like you said, I think Indiana gets like is one of the underrated teams in all of softball. I think they like a good team. They're not an elite team like Oregon and Clemson are. But I think that they have the capability of getting to that level throughout the season. Kansas, Liberty, Missouri State, Oregon took care of them pretty, you know, pretty good, even though can't they only won uh, the Kansas game by two. The Clemson game, I was really impressed with. They only lost by one run, and especially because it's early in the season, you know they're still getting things under the way, especially with some of the new, um, new players on the roster. I thought that they played a very, very good game overall, and the fact they only lost by one run says a lot about what the direction this team's heading.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think uh, Clemson proved to us that Oregon can uh, compete with any team because uh, Clemson's in the top five. I think what are they, number five? Yeah, um, they were right now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think lo- only losing by one point to Clemson is just like um, should be like a big boost for the Oregon.
0: Yeah, I, it, you're not really. I can't say they're not expecting to win that game. They they were. I think losing by a run against a really good Clemson team is is a, is an okay result. It's not a a perfect result, but there were some things that um, that came out of that Clemson game that I really liked. I I the the start from Morgan H- Morgan Scott was was pretty solid. It wasn't anything spectacular, but she kept the Ducks in the game. Five innings, seven hits, three runs, only a walk, four strikeouts. Um, she did what, what she needed to do. And If she leaves in a one-run game every time, Oregon's going to be feeling pretty good. And then Taylor Spencer came in and inherited a runner on first, got a double play, got out of that inning. So she continued her, her really, really strong first weekend. Um, and again, just I think a lot of good for the Ducks in weekend number one. Now, this weekend... I wasn't really aware of how solid the 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 teams that Oregon's playing in this tournament are because the last time they played in the Campbell Cartier Classic um, they finished with Utah Valley I think they played UC Riverside like it was not anyone nearly as good as they're playing this year but Texas A&M ranked number 25 right now LMU is one in three but they played an absolute gauntlet in their first series and then San Diego State is a team that uh, was that made a super regional last year so these are three really good teams that Oregon is going to have to play this year um what what worries you about this weekend is, is there any specific players that stand out something about the docs that you think that other teams will maybe try to look to exploit or just uh or are you feeling good about
2: the weekend I mean I, I'm feeling good about the weekend I think after what happened last weekend you also got to look at the weekend in the hole they went down to play in Florida it's a pretty long travel day now they're going to play in San Diego it's a lot shorter you know they don't have to go out there for a week, and they had the early start times too, and the time zone changes. Like it, it was a pretty difficult weekend overall, and the Ducks still came out four and two. This weekend, it's a little bit shorter. They play more games during the three days that they're in San Diego, but it's a shorter travel day, so they'd be able to adjust a lot easier and be more rested. You know, Texas A&M and San Diego State are probably going to be some of the tougher teams they face outside of Clemson and um, Florida, as far as like in the rankings, but. I think the way that the Ducks played this week, and especially with the pitching with Taylor Spencer, like, she just absolutely had an amazing weekend. Like, nobody would have expected that she would have came out of the gate as a freshman and, like, been that dominant right away. It just makes this rotation so much more dangerous already than it was with Stevie Hanson and Morgan Scott. And then, obviously, you have Elisa Kolsky and Reagan Breedlove, who were pretty solid options. But now that Melissa Lombardi has five pitchers who can be really dominant, like, it really just puts the Ducks in a good position this weekend. Same thing with the hitting, too. The hitting was just on point the entire weekend in Clearwater.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I would say that um with, with Oregon's pitching, I don't think uh, Texas A&M will score over eight or more runs because I think in each of their games they've scored eight or more runs. But I believe, like, with Oregon's pitching, like Taylor, like you said, Taylor Spencer, she will not allow, like, more than probably two or three runs.
0: Yeah, the Texas A&M, I think, is a, a really solid offensive team, um, Allie Enright's been awesome this year. She has three home runs already this season. She's she's kind of just been dominant. Um, their games have kind of been shortened because of the the mercy rule, but their pitching is is what's really led them the last couple of years. And I think uh, Oregon might have a tough time against a, a very deep pitching staff that kind of um, kind of mirrors Oregon's in a lot of ways. It's three or four really really solid pitchers deep that um, they don't have one ace necessarily, and I, I don't. I don't mean that as a as kind of a knock on Oregon by any means, because Stevie Hanson and Morgan Scott are both aces in their own rights. But they're they're co aces. There's not one pitcher that that really stands above the rest of them. Um, and Texas A&M kind of mirrors that. And with LMU, you're it's probably the weakest team of the ones you'll be facing. Um, but then finishing the season the series out with San Diego State, like that's on their home turf, they're going to want to win that game. Uh, and that was a really fun game the last time these two teams played last season. Um, Looking forward to the rest of the non-conference, the Mary Nutter is always fun. UCF, Baylor, Notre Dame, Long Beach State, Nebraska. Those are five really, really solid teams that Oregon's going to face in the Mary Nutter. Nutter. And then they get to host a a home tournament, which they didn't do last year, which I think is really exciting. And the final uh, non-conference game is going to be against Florida State, who's one of the top teams in the nation. So I think there's a lot to look forward to for the rest of the non-conference play. What are you guys looking forward to most? What are your expectations for the rest of the non-conference?
2: I mean, I think the Florida State game is definitely going to be the most critical. Like, I think, like you said, they didn't really, even though they played in a good amount of tournaments last year to start the season, they didn't really play against teams that were up to their level. Like, we saw a lot of, of run rules by winning, you know, by six-plus run games, and especially in the conference, they weren't really prepared for the Pac-12 as much. We saw it against Stanford, against Washington, against UCLA, where – they weren't winning the series too much, and they were staying competitive with them, but they weren't able to close out. I think with these games against Clemson, against Florida State, they're really going to be tested because they know that it's going to be close games. We saw it with Clemson. It was a close game, it was only one run. They couldn't close it out or try to finish it. Against Florida State, would expect the same thing. It's going to be a pretty deep day as far as the, the rotation and the lineup. You know, Melissa Lombardi is probably going to have to go in her back pocket, you know, take out the bench players, use all of her arms if she can. And, you know, as far as the rest of conference play go, I think it's, like, overall a a pretty good setup to the rest of the season. I mean, Baylor, Notre Dame, and Nebraska, those are big-name teams that have pretty solid softball programs. And I, I just think that this start to the season and the way the schedule panned out is a good setup and kind of leeway to the Ducks' last season in Pac-12 play.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like, uh, like you said, Baylor, uh, San Diego State, I I kind of have to put Texas A&M in there. Uh, they've been doing really good in the beginning of the season. So, uh, as long as they, if, in my opinion, if they beat uh, those three teams, they would uh, be on a positive note.
0: Yeah, I think looking at the the rest of the non-conference schedule, looking into the Jane Sanders Classic, um, I'm really intrigued to see what they do against Maryland. I think, I realize Maryland isn't isn't at the same level as the other teams, but to a level that that's a revenge game to opening the season last year where Oregon's looking to flip the script and kind of flip the narrative there. Um in terms of the Mary Nutter, those are five good teams that you're playing. I'm, I'm excited for all those games. And I'm, I'm excited to see who are some of the players that we see kind of break out for Oregon. Like last year, um, it was after conference play, but I think Kylo Shar is someone that's really stepped up. And, you know, she had nine hits going into April of last year as a whole. Uh, she already has 11 hits this season. So. That says something in its own right. But then you have players that are kind of coming off the bench, trying to cement their roles. Someone like Remington Hewitt, um, Katie Flannery, the freshman, the the top ranked fle- freshman in this class. Um, I want to see more of Taylor Spencer. I want to see more of Elise Sikolsky. I think there are a lot of players that uh, that can do some some really good things for Oregon. Uh, predictions for this weekend? Just we? Do you want to go game by game? Do you want to do a record? I don't. I don't really care how we do it.
2: Uh, well, record. I, okay. I I think that. They're going to drop the first game against Texas A&M. I think they'll take the two against Loyola, San Diego State. I think they're going to win. Pr- they're only going to lose the first game against Texas A&M, and I think that's going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the tournament. Um, so I will say that they go 4-1 and one on the weekend.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the first game they would probably lose because um, they've had a good last like three or four games. Uh, so, And then the two Loyola-Maramount games, they'll win, and then San Diego State, they'll also win. So I would say 4-1. and one.
0: I'm gonna flip you guys and say I think they win the first four and lose the last one. Yeah, I mean it's
2: the Texas A&M. I, the games are gonna be the toughest for sure. Yeah. I like. I think like you said, San Diego State's gonna be tough because it's on their own home turf. But I think with the way that Oregon's been playing, like they could definitely beat San Diego State. But with Texas A&M, it's a whole different story. They're gonna have a lot of intensity, a lot of fire, especially whatever happens in the first game. I think yeah, the opposite's probably gonna happen in the second game.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. I think. Whoever loses learns from, from their first experience and wins the second game. Um, I don't think the LMU games are going to be particularly close. I know LMU kept it really close against Oklahoma State, which was a really impressive result for them because uh, Oklahoma State is dominant and LMU hasn't really been great. I think uh, Alyssa Daniel is going to play really well those games because that's her, her... I called it a reverse homecoming in my uh, my Duck Territory artic- article because she is originally from Oregon but then went to LMU. And now like, kind of flips it around. So she'll be playing LMU, I believe, for the first time as a duck. And then I think they beat San Diego State. I do think weirdly, like just in a a weird prediction, I think that might be the closest of the games all weekend Uh, either way. San Diego State. Yeah, just because it's at home. Um, And then I think Oregon loses the final game against Texas A&M. And I think they have a really good uh, end of their non-conference schedule. Uh, That's going to do it for our Oregon softball segment. When we come back, we'll talk Oregon men's basketball one last time in the rivalry game. They'll play Oregon State this weekend. That will be Saturday. Saturday. Jason will be there. Griffin Mm -hmm. Bowes will be there. Um, Yeah, it's going to do it for us for this segment of Quacksmack. We'll be back on the other side. We'll talk men's basketball. You're listening to Quacksmack on 88.1.
1: K W V A
2: Want the latest sports talk?
0: These are the type of games you'd expect from Oregon at the beginning of the season. Not high scoring. Uh, they're going to score a couple runs to keep you in it and maybe win the game. But it's going to be pitcher dominated.
1: They want the best sports debates? They may not be undefeated like the Ducks. But if you're going to be close, that's about as close as you can
3: get. Then tune into Quacksmack every weeknight from 6 to 7 p.m.
1: He absolutely needs to be that one player that stands out on this team, that when he takes the hill and he gets up there to pitch for the Ducks, the Ducks win.
3: Today's top stories, exciting discussions, and interviews with a variety of local guests. It's all on Quacksmack. <laughs> And the only
1: place to find it is right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM.
0: Frightened you missed your favorite moments on QuackSmack? Well, worry no more. Our KWVA website has you covered. All past episodes will be posted to our website along with an outline for what the crew talked about during the show. So head over to kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports slash quack smack for more. This is Travis Tyke, former assistant sports director at KWVA. Cheers! You're listening to Quack Smack. back on quacksmack we just talked some what do we just talk Oregon softball softball yes <laughs> we uh we talked some some bowling um Mini golf <laughs> i weirdly cannot hear myself can you guys hear me i yes, can hear you I can yeah. hear you okay maybe it's just weird uh out of my headphones but that's fine i, I don't matter <laughs> um <laughs> what were we talking about organ <laughs> men's basketball uh got some tough news yesterday Nate Biddle was announced basically out for the season. Um, they said he has been recovering from this illness, this kind of undiagnosed illness, or unknown to us at least. Um, and he, I know why, I, my headphones, I turned all the way down. There we go. There we go. Um, and he will likely be out for the season. They, they basically said he's lost too much weight at this point um, mm-hmm. to be able to come back and, and be healthy for the rest of the year. So they've had to play without him for most of the season, but obviously the end of the year is, is always going to be a little more of a gauntlet, so... What, what does Oregon do to, to rebound from the loss of, of Nate Biddle for the rest of the year?
2: I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say rebound because Biddle really hasn't been a part of this team this year. And it, it really is unfortunate because the combination of him and Dante were supposed to be one of the more elite duos in all of college basketball because Dante, he decided to come back for his fifth year. And Biddle, I mean, he's a junior now. He could come back for the end of next year. You know, Duck fans hope because he's really been a shining star for this team the past uh, three years that he's been here. So it really sucks that He's not going to be able to come back, especially with the way that, uh, you know, men's basketball has been playing. They've really been on the up, especially from last year. But, uh, you know, now really Oregon's just got to continue on with their game plan of, of him not being in the lineup. And, you know, now that Dante's back and he's got some playing time, he definitely can go into that role of being the main big down low. Uh, and then obviously, you know, aquendo and uh, Tracy, you know, the guys that have been playing really well at the bench, same thing with Diawara. They just really have to step up uh, knowing that Bill is not going to be able to come back.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think guys like Dante, even Shelstad and Kuznard, um, they all have to step up in Nate Biddle's absence. If he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, even Kwame Evans, uh, Tracy, um, those guys will have to step up and, uh, in these next few games in order for them to you know, go back up to the second spot. And I mean, you kind of named the full roster, and I think that's that's kind
0: of the point right now is that <laughs> Oregon yeah, is yeah. down to eight scholarship players at this point and And you can literally count them on two hands, right? It's yeah. Jackson Shellstad, Kwame Evans Jr., and Volley Dante, Jadrian Tracy, Brennan Rigsby, Kerry O'Quendo, Mo Diawara, and Jermaine Kuznard. Yeah, Kuznard. Good. And so there's well, You weren't looking at the roster, right? No, no, no. Okay, good. I'm no uh, no I'm yeah, looking no. at Oregon State's uh men's basketball stats, <laughs> which we're getting into in a minute. Um and I think that, that that's kind of been the problem all year. The the two guys, the walk ons that uh, that Coach Altman talked about this weekend of media availability that could potentially see a little more playing time. James Cooper um, and Gabe Reichel. Reichel, we saw in extended periods last time or last year, um, kind of when when it was when things were really bad for Oregon when they were down to I think six scholarship players one time and and Reichel started a game. Um, Cooper, we've seen a little bit more. They like his length. They like his athleticism. Um, they're down to an eight man roster for all intents and purposes. Even with Biddle, it was only nine. It's it's a light roster. Guys are going to have to step up. Guys are going to have to play more minutes. I on today Joey Mack talked about uh Okwendo and, and Brandon Rigsby really needing to step up this weekend, guys mm. who have had really good roles this year and have really sh- kind of struggled recently. Those are guys. These are these are all guys that that need to
3: to to put in a little more and also uh a big loss that they've got uh, was Keyshawn Bartholomew, who's also yeah. out for the rest of the season. So yeah. they're very thin at the guard position. I
2: mean, like, the it's like they've been fighting the injury bug this whole yeah. season. And, like, especially these last few injuries with Bartholomew and Biddle have just, like – I mean, obviously we knew that Moki Cook was not coming back this season, but he really never saw any action. Right. Same thing with Jackson Shellstad. I mean, he came back after a little bit, and Dante, same thing. But, I mean, they just have had tough luck with injuries this entire season.
0: Yeah, it's been – uh, the last couple years, and there's you know, Twitter message boards are filled with like, what is the strength and conditioning staff doing? It's just bad luck. It's at this really point. yeah. Like,
2: it's it's nothing that they can do. I mean, obviously, like a lot of teams say it starts in the weight room, but you know, it's just unfortunate. Like yeah. this is basketball. Injuries are bound to happen. It's just a
3: lot of a lot of freak injuries that right. you can't control. Right, exactly. like the Bartholomew one where yeah. he gets you know,
0: bas- basically <laughs> like killed at the other yeah, end yeah, of the yeah, floor. Yeah, like like it's not his fault. Yeah, that one. There's there's. It's been it's been tough tough to watch because I really do think at full health like this is a Sweet 16 team. I think if you have Keyshawn Bartholomew and Nate Biddle, this team is is going far, and mm-hmm. you're playing Mookie Cook is like your 11th man or or Mo Diawara, who's in a thousand point scorer. Like thi- this team is is deep when it's healthy, as as all teams are, but. They're just – they're so, so beaten down right now. It's and, I mean,
2: th- the margin of error, too, is just getting slimmer and slimmer by the week. I mean, obviously, they couldn't pull it out against Washington State, which they were fighting for the, the two-seed right now in the Pac-12 uh, standings. And now, like, you go into these next few games against Oregon State, Snafford, Cal, and, and then against Oregon State again, like four games to ultimately get prepared for Arizona, which is going to be a big game. Like, I think that's going to be the deciding factor as to what seed Oregon ultimately gets. It could come down to Utah, too, but uh, – like, right now, Oregon really, really needs to win a majority of these last few games, especially if they want a uh, high C for the Pac-12 tournament.
0: I would argue that ne- they need to win every game for the rest you of the year. You could argue no, that's, that, that that's yeah, that's but hard, I'm, I'm but a little
2: more graceful, though. You know, I, I have faith. You're,
0: you're nicer than I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, Looking at Oregon State's schedule, this is, I mean, it's just not a good team. I I I, I feel bad for Oregon State, especially because as recently as three years ago, they were they were an elite eight team that crazy elite eight run in in 2021 um they're just not that team you know Wayne Tinkle has kind of rode that year into into a couple more years of a contract and and they they haven't really done anything since then this year they're 11 and 14 overall they're 3 and 11 in conference play uh they're 0 and 7 on the road 11 and 4 at home is is obviously pretty solid Oregon State's a good home team they beat Arizona at home they they followed that up with a good win against Arizona State like I don't know. I, wh- how do you feel about Oregon State? What are some guys guys to look for, things they do well, things they don't, all that jazz?
2: I mean, yeah, I, I Oregon State's definitely not the best team this year that they've been in previous years. And it's unfortunate, too, because even though they're considered a big-time football school, you know, they definitely have some really good basketball, crams, basketball programs. We've seen it right now with the women's team. Like, their women's team is doing really well, and we'll talk about it uh, in a little bit. But the men's team is just not – playing up to the standard and you know it's unfortunate because pretty much this is last year of the Pac-12 and I'm sure they want to go out with a bang but it looks like it's going to be a, uh you know a, I don't even know how you say it, early March or like early like
0: I know what you're talking you know about. what I'm like talking early about early
2: vacation early vacation yeah early vacation to Puerto Vallarta right? yeah, right. yeah right Um. so yeah it's unfortunate especially with the history that Oregon State basketball has had and uh, luckily, it works in Oregon's favor, especially for these next two games that are coming up, because it's the last two games of the the rivalry, at least within the Pac-12. But it's also a good opportunity for Oregon to get some wins and improve the resume to try to, you know, get a top seed in the Pac-12 tournament.
3: Yeah, I, I would say that Wayne Tinkle, like they're they're a struggling team. Uh, he only relies on like Jordan Pope mostly. He he literally averages seventeen points per game, uh, but their three point percentage is just not that good thirty two percent. So as long as the Ducks stop them from shooting uh threes like not nothing above 35%, uh, I think we can win that game easily.
0: Yeah, Oregon State 241st in the nation in uh in three-point percentage. Looking at it right now, uh out of their national ranks, they are worse than 100th in every stat but one, which is free throws made per game. And they where are, are they? 99th. At? Oh, okay. So, oh. you know. So it's <laughs> like uh <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad team. Um, yeah. <laughs> they go as far down. Let me see, as three, three eight, three hundred eighteenth in assist to turnover ratio. Wow. Mm. Um, it's a team that struggled this year. They're not very good offensively. They're not very good defensively. Jordan Pope, however, is really good. I I really he's fun to watch too. He's not just one of those like empty stats on a really bad team guy. Like he's. He's confident. Um, he he's he's the future. I mean, he's the future for Oregon State. Yeah. for For their purposes, I hope he stays. Um, he was awesome last year. Uh, he went to Prolific Prep, which is the same high school that Nate Biddle went to, um, and former Stanford guard Issa Silva. Uh, so that was I'm assuming a, a pretty pretty solid high school team with three Pac-12 players. Um, but yeah, Jordan Pope's been good. Tyler Bilodeau has has really stepped up of late. He's uh, they're they're big forward, but they don't really have anyone that can defend and Dante in the post. Um, they, y- you look at at their starters, and the tallest of them is is Bilodeau, who's good. They bring Troll Cholmerial off the bench, who's just massive. He's seven two two thirty five, and he's probably gonna be in the game a lot defending and Dante. But I just I don't think it'll be enough.
2: No. I mean, like, this is an o- an opportunity for Infaliante to really get his confidence back. Like, I think he can have a really good game. And also, like, just in general for the whole entire team, like, this is, like, as far as the games that are left, this is the one that's going to ultimately set the tone. A lot of people were saying that that was the, the Washington series, or some were saying that it was the rematch against the California schools. Like, it's a rivalry match. They're playing in Corvallis. Like, if, if they're able to win, they can get a lot of confidence from the series. And I think that that can ultimately... Uh, kind of catapult just an absolute uh, terror of this team uh, especially in the rest of the season
3: yeah I I agree I think Dante you know we know Dante's gonna get his he's gonna probably score over 20 points in that game but it's it's the question is will guys like Shelstad and and Kuznard and Tracy step up uh, I feel like if those guys step up then uh, Oregon should be able to win that game easily
0: but this is, like you said, like a really good opportunity for, for Dante, yes, but for guys like Tracy and Evans and and, and Kuznard and Shellstad to, to get their stroke back because they haven't been shooting super well recently. Even when Jermaine Kuznard scores 20-plus points, it's not the most efficient, and they, they need him to be efficient. They need Shellstad to have that confident three-point shot back for them to have a chance. And I really do think this is the kind of team that can, can get hot at the right time and, and do really good things, but I think it – it starts with Dante and kind of works its way outward from that. Um, and when when he plays well, the team plays well. When he doesn't play well, the team struggles. Um, he's he's the centerpiece for a reason. Looking not just to this season, but to next season, what is this team's outlook? Because I think we've we, it feels like we've said it for a couple of years now. Like this Oregon team just needs to get healthy. But they don't have the same recruiting class that they did this last year with, with Shellstad and with Cook and with Evans. Um, I think it's only Victorious Miller, who's a five star guard who's in uh, who's a four star or excuse me, four star guard who's a four star or above for Oregon's recruiting class next year. Like they don't have that same big dominant recruiting class that they've had the last couple of years. So what is what does next year look like for Oregon?
2: I mean, it's, obviously it's going to depend a lot on I think that he's going to be the guy going into next year that's really going to be the star, unless Biddle comes back, obviously. We, you know, we'll have to see what his offseason plans are. Obviously him being on injury for most of the season might have some sort of effect to that. He, I think he's, he's going to be a really good player in the NBA if he decides to go to the draft. Um, Dante, he's gone. This is his fifth year. This was last year. So no matter what, he's gone. So Oregon kind of needs to move past that. But you know, going to the Big Ten, I mean, it's, it's a tough conference, even for basketball. I, I think he gets a lot of... Um, you know, it's known for being a big football program, but I think for basketball it gets overlooked a lot. But I think Oregon can definitely compete. You know, Purdue, they're not going to have Zach Eddy next year. Illinois, they're going to be a pretty decent team. Same thing was with Wisconsin. I think that Oregon can easily be one of those teams in the mix for a top spot in the Big Ten. We'll have to see how, you know, USC and UCLA do. They're not really the top of the, the Pac-12 right now. Things could change within a year. We saw with UCLA last year, I mean, you know, they won the Pac-12 tournament, and now they're in the middle. So, Things just go year by year, but it's gonna be really interesting to see how Oregon does in the first year in the Big Ten.
3: Yeah, with, with Dante, you know, leaving, graduating. Uh like like, like you like you said, so uh Jackson Shellstead will have to step up, Kwame Evans too, uh Nate Biddle if he ever n- comes back, um those guys will have to step up in in uh in those in those don in that Dante role. because um, Dante, you know, he averages what, like over sixteen points per game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they'll have to have another like center like Kwame I feel like Kwame Evans can can do what Dante does mm-hmm. if he just you know is more aggressive yeah I think I don't know I
0: I love Kwame Evans I think he can fill the defensive shoes of Dante but I don't I don't know if he can do what he does on offense I just don't think he's he's big enough yet um and and looking into next year they really don't have anyone that's that same level of of just like big freak athlete like can fly Dante I, I am looking at the recruiting rankings right now. Ibrahima Traore is coming in uh, as a true freshman. He's a three-star, but he's only 6'8", 220. Even though he's listed as a center, you don't really know what kind of center that is. I'm um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what this team does next year. I think with Nate Biddle, you I, I love Invalidante. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he's the team's best player, but I think when you have him on the floor, it really clogs the paint, and I think expanding that out to... Biddle, who can play not only the pick and roll, but in the pick and pop, in the pick and pop as well, um, it just opens the floor more, and that gets Shellstat driving lanes, it gets Evan driving lanes, it gets Kuznard going to the basket, um, where he's he's a little more effective. So, I don't know. I think uh, I think next year is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for next year.
2: It's going to be definitely a guard heavy offense for Dana Allman, which I think is going to be kind of new. He, it was something they had to figure out th- earlier this year when Biddle and Dante weren't there, like. They were starting a lot of guards on the floor. I mean, they had, you know, Kwame Evans out there at center, which, I mean, he's not a center, he's a forward. Like, he doesn't have the the, the height, really, even though he's 6'9". Like, he's not meant to play center, and I think even the Ducks were having success when it was mainly a guard-heavy uh, out there on the floor. So, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit more time for preparation, knowing what the recruiting class is going in and seeing who is going to, um, you know, ultimately be the five starters out there. But I think Dana Allman's going to have to repair more for possibly a guard-heavy rotation. Yeah, this yeah.
3: team could—sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say that um, even last season he used to start Nate Biddle and Dante at the same time, uh, two seven-footers, so he's going to have to get used to Dana Holman's going to have to get used to starting a guard-heavy lineup uh, next season.
0: Yeah, this team could really use um, some, some Khalil Ware right now. mm yeah i think having another stretch big clue where's been awesome he's doing year, really good in Indiana. Way. yeah let's uh
3: where's he at, at indiana
0: yeah let's do yeah. a little let's do a little clue shout check. out indiana too
2: <laughs> um they are well they're six and seven right now in conference but it's he is averaging 15
0: points nine rebounds a block and a half he's shooting 55 percent from the field and 45 percent from three wow that sounds like a player that the ducks could could really use right now mm. um yeah. Also, back to the the Traore, I- Ibrahima Traore. There's like a weird amount of people with the last name Traore in in college basketball right now. I I, I think I've kind of like four or five for the last couple weeks when I've been watching some some more college basketball. Um, Blaze working over in prod knows all about Johan Traore, the 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 UCSB legend. Um, but uh, that was just my little my little tangent. Um, shout out the Traore family. <laughs> That's gonna do it for for this segment on Quacksmack. Uh, We're going to step aside. We just talked Oregon men's basketball. We're going to talk about the women's team as they end their season. Looking for a positive note going up against the SoCal schools this weekend. We'll be right back on the other side of this break on 88.1. KWVA.
1: KWVA. K-W-V-A. You're listening to KWVA 88.1 FM, Oregon Student Radio. Home to news, analysis, and the hottest takes about Oregon sports and the flagship station of Oregon volleyball.
0: Roby slams it down. The Ducks keep
1: dancing. The Elite Eight, here they come. Keep an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen-live whenever the Ducks take the court. Like what you're listening to? Want to be a part of the flagship
0: station of numerous Oregon sports, interview duck athletes, and have a hand in the media scrum? Then look no further than the very station you're listening to, KWVA 88.1 FM. Email sports at kwvaradio.org, DM our Instagram at kwvasports, or head down to the station itself next to Bartolotti's, located on the bottom floor of the EMU, to find out more. You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, Line drive, left field, see you
1: in the Supers! And it's high fives for version 5!
0: Our daily schedule,
2: Big fly to center field, taking Kindlesberger to the warning track, and it's gone!
0: Or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok
1: at KWVA Sports. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quack Smack.
0: I never never really know what to do with that. Back music. I feel like uh
2: you gotta bring it in like a like the golf announcers, you'd be like, Welcome back to KWA <laughs> Sports here on eighty eight point one. We're talking about some Oregon women's basketball. like you know you, you gotta you gotta go into it a little bit. Like if
0: you were to broadcast Oregon women's basketball like it was golf, how would you do it? Call like a I don't know, like a chance gray, Philly Che a so roll. So there's
2: Chance Gray heading up the court as she passes it down to Filipino Che, who's in the post and now turns around and puts a lay in.
3: It's good. Yeah. Jason, you have you have one? I would go here's here's Van Sluten inside with the layup. It's good. Assisted by Chance Gray. (laughs)
2: It's good. It's really just in the voice too. It's like not even like in the (laughs) words you say. It's just like in the the tone you say. Right. It's
3: the it's the
0: everything is Nance and it's very like soft and you feel like you're being put to bed. (laughs) Um (laughs) Shout out. Shout out, uh, Grace Van Sluten for being in our media ethics class and shout out to our yeah. professor for making her stand up and introduce herself to the class on like the first day. Mm. She, she did not want to do she that. Did not, she did no. not want to do
2: that. She hates that class. It looks like. And that's by no, <laughs> 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 no, no, fault of her. We, we also, <laughs> I was going to say, I think both of you guys were saying before that. Yeah.
0: It's uh it's not the most fun class. Um, Anyway, <laughs> you know what's really, really fun is Juju Watkins, uh, Oregon women's basketball facing off against USC this weekend. Juju Watkins is pretty easily the best freshman in college basketball. Um, I think she has a case to be made for top three to five player in college basketball. Um, the number one player in women's college basketball just kind of made her mark on history today. But Juju's pretty good, too. Um, i'm gonna read out a bunch of numbers so i'm sorry if you get bored <laughs> juju watkins is averaging 27.7 points seven rebounds three and a half assists two and a half steals and a block and a half a game she's currently second in the ncaa in scoring 17th in total rebounds 15th in the pac-12 and assists 10th in the pac-12 and assists per game third in the pac-12 in steals eighth in the pac-12 in blocks first in field goal attempts First in free throws, first in free throw attempts, she is fourth in the Pac-12 in win shares. She is averaging twenty-five and a half points produced her game, which is first in the NCAA, third or first in the Pac-12, third in the NCAA. She has been
2: just insane. Let's not forget, she put up fifty-one points against number yeah, I was four there, Stanford. I was there, I was oh there. man, sorry, I took it. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, she uh, over her last. However many games this is, her last nine games she is averaging twenty nine and a half points, six rebounds, three assists, three steals, and almost two blocks. Um, she's really good.
3: Yeah, you could say that. Does anyone else yeah. have anything to say? <laughs> I mean, like, sounds like a WNBA player to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it,
2: like, obviously. With Caitlin Clark still in the league, you know, it's kind of hard for her to get the recognition that she has. Yeah. But I think after Clark leaves and, and goes to the WNBA, she can easily be that next player that just takes the spotlight in all of NCAA women's basketball. Because there's a lot of players out there. We, You know, like, there's players that get overlooked, like Cameron Brink for Stanford. Like, because that Clark is so big Kamen now. Cameron Brink's so awesome. Cameron Brink's so good. so good. Like, she's, she's going to so be good. unbelievable in the WNBA. But she just gets... I, th- I feel, at least in my opinion, she gets overlooked a little bit because Clark gets all the attention. But now... You know, Clark is leaving, uh, you know, and Watkins has the ability to step into that spotlight.
3: I don't even think, and looking at, like, Austin, you just read Juju Watkins' stats. I don't even think she needs to play another year at USC. I think she should just go straight to the <laughs> WNBA. I, uh, I, I think she could be one of the best players in the WNBA right yeah. now. I, I I, don't think she will, and I
0: think that's a good thing for, for college basketball. Um, She, I think she could step into the WNBA right now and be one of the best players in the league already. Like, she is, she is that good. Um, and it's it's this like the the confidence that she carries too is is awesome to watch. She's been, I I uh, I bought ESPN Plus to watch the last time these two teams. Oh no, I think it was to watch like the the Utah Tech
2: game. But did you get the bundle?
0: No. <sighs> <sighs> What's in the get, bundle? Come on, man. Tell me about the bundle.
2: The, you got to get the bundle. It's with Hulu and Disney Plus, and you get yeah. it for like I think it's like five dollars more than what the ESPN Plus membership is. But you oh, get three really? subscriptions. Like oh. Everyone knows about the bundle.
0: I didn't know about the
2: bundle. Yeah. Yeah. See, t- text the text me or text the group chat before you you do something so we're that we can Yeah, it.
0: why don't we have a like a KWVA ESPN Plus account? That leader like we we expanded leadership to 7 people. That's like two mu- two bucks a month for each of us.
2: I'm down to put it in. We should actually put three probably bucks. think about that. I'll put um, a uh, same thing for Twitter to get a little check mark too. Yeah, Yeah, you know, get us verified. That's a good point. That um, we're the, we're the only student radio station on campus.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> Um, back to Juju Watkins, the greatest player I've ever watched. Um, live she it used to be. Um. Oh my God, I'm blanking. Haley Jones for Stanford, mm-hmm. um, who was awesome. They're very different players. Obviously, Jones is more of a forward. Um, Juju's like a true point guard, but Juju Watkins is is insane. The last time she wasn't insane, the last like bad game she had, and this is you know take this with a grain of salt because her bad game is still 17 points nine boards six assists two steals and a block but she only shot seven of 18 from the field only two of seven from three that was against Oregon uh back on January 7th Oregon played USC really well there's a one point game going into the fourth quarter it's a story we've heard a hundred times this year with women's basketball um I am excited for this game on Friday because I think Oregon can do a similar thing um and I I I'm not predicting an upset by any means, but I, I I'm expecting this game to be closer than I think people um, th- than I think people realize. But I do think a lot of the reason she was locked up last time is because of Sophia Bell. So we started uh, men's basketball segment talking about Nate Biddle's injury and how he's out for the rest of the year. Very similar story on the women's side. A little less gravita because of the the situation women's basketball is in right now. But Sophia Bell was the team's best defender. She locked up Juju Watkins last time.
2: They're without her this weekend. How much does the, the Bell injury impact the Ducks for the rest of the year? I mean, it do, it, it does a lot, honestly, because like you said, I mean, she is like this team's best defender, and I, I agree with you. Like, she's definitely been keeping this team, even though especially against Colorado and Utah, the, the defense was just nowhere to be found. I, I definitely think she's been one of the brighter spots for this team, uh, alongside Van Sleuten and Philippine Che. Like, I really think, like, this hurts the Ducks, too. I, I think that this, is, like, is not as big as the Peyton Scott injury, but it definitely does at, at this point in the season when the Ducks are trying to you know just get above 500 I, it definitely doesn't help the the team out at all
3: yeah i would say uh sophia bell's injury hurts the ducks a lot because uh she was the best defender she she held juju watkins to only 17 points which is still that's still pretty good for her for college, bas- yeah. college basketball so I'll, you'll s- probably see kelly graves throw out a bunch of double teams out there at juju watkins since sophia bell's not going to be able to guard her one-on-one and
0: ula chamberlain has taken that spot in the starting lineup for the the last game that they played hit four threes um Ula's one of my favorite players on the team. I, I, I really like watching her play. She's the best shooter on the team outside of Chance Gray. Um, she's been really good this year, but switching out Priscilla Williams in the starting lineup for Ula Chamberlain, you lose a l- little bit of length and you lose a little bit of defense. And so now you're – I don't know who you're going to put on Juju Watkins. I think Oregon's played his own most of the year, but still they they've had kind of a point of attack defender. I don't know who that is. It might be Chance Gray. It might end up being someone like Grace Van Sluten, just for her length to be able to stay on the perimeter and and then be able to work her way back inside. But I, it's a tough blow losing uh, losing your best defender, especially when you're going up against a player that, like you said, put up 51 points against Stanford. I think she sh- did. Does she outscore Stanford by I, herself? No. I,
2: was, no, she scored because what was Stanford it? scored yeah, 58. 58. So, so seven, seven less points, points yeah. than. The total of what Stanford scored, so.
0: um, which is insane. She scored, I think, seventy percent of the team's points that night. Like, yeah,
2: because USC scored sixty-seven. So right, I mean, like
0: Watkins scored fifty-one. Forbes scored twelve, and the entire rest of the team scored four.
2: Put the team on your back. Definition of it.
0: And she still had two assists. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. That's insane. Um, yeah, Juju is is unbelievable. I think we can move on from talking about her. Um we, we already alluded to this a little bit. Oregon was able to slow down USC at USC last time they played. How do they have the repeat performance? What do they need to do to do the same thing again this time?
2: I really think that this is a, a game where Chance Gray has to just go off shooting-wise. Uh, like, uh, USC, especially with Juju Watkins and the way she's played, I don't know if the defense is really going to be able to keep up with the Trojans. So this might be a night where you need to get Gray some shots. You need to see how she's going to be able to shoot from outside the arc. And uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't expect an upset like uh, like you mentioned, but I, it's going to be at home, and they played them really well last uh, last time out. So I think this could be a, a pretty close game, and one of like the better games that Oregon has played in conference this year.
3: Yeah, Chance Gray's going to have to hit shots. Grace Van Sluten's going to have to hit shots. Uh, we already know Filipina Shea could score in the paint at will, um, but they th- those th- those three girls got to got to make shots in order to compete with Juju Watkins. I'm excited to see what
0: what Philly Jay does this weekend. USC is uh is really good. I mean, there's a reason they're they're ranked as high as they are. Um defensively though, and and like looking at their numbers as a whole, it's not like they're they're unbelievable at anything. They're a really good three-point shooting team. They're they're 36% from three. They're 23rd in the nation. That they're great at. They don't turn the ball over. That's awesome. But they're scoring defense, scoring offense, both pretty middle of the pack. Their three point defense is slightly above, uh, slightly below average. It's about where Oregon's is. Like, I I think there are, there are parts of this team that Oregon can 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 kind of take over. I don't know if if Filipina Shea is going to be able to score on on Ryan Marshall too much, who's one of the best shot blockers in Pac twelve history. Um, Clarissa Kunwafo is is the same way, where she comes off the bench for twelve minutes a game and and is one of the top block percentage players again in Pac-12 history. So I'm interested to see what what Oregon does this weekend. Um looking at the the rest of the schedule for the Ducks, I've said for a while I think that this th- that this team is is better than the record shows. You know, we were talking about this the other day. I I think Oregon has the chance to win a game or two in the Pac-12 tournament. Like this is you you watch this team and they're they're in it through the third quarter, which I realize only goes so far, but like, this is a better team than their record shows, so what what is the what does the rest of the year look like for Oregon? Can they finish uh, 500 the rest of the way?
2: I mean, I don't think that they can finish 500, just looking at the rest of the schedule. I mean, they have Stanford to close out the season. I, I think that they could take two of the, that kind of middle three between Washington, Washington State, and and, uh, and Cal. I don't know if this is going to be a, a good weekend. I mean, like I said, they could surprise this weekend and, and upset USC or UCLA. You never know, but... The Pac-12 tournament's a different thing. Like, anything can happen. And I think, like you said, this is a better team than their record shows. They have a lot of pieces that, you know, work really well together. And it really doesn't matter the record going to the, uh, a tournament or March. You know, anything can happen at that point. We saw it last year with Washington State. They ended up winning the whole tournament. And, like, that was just one of the craziest games I've ever saw. Like, nobody would have thought that the, the Cougars were, had any shot of winning the, the Pac-12 championship. And they just ended up going out. And I think Oregon kind of is playing a similar style of basketball that they are playing from last year and you know what they took it all
3: yeah I think upsets happen all the time and in, in at this level in the NCAA um I feel like they could they could upset one of the two one of the two LA schools USC or UCLA um I don't think they will upset USC because of Juju Watkins but uh in order for them to I think they could actually do good in the Pac-12 tournament as well
0: I think looking at the rest of the regular season I don't know if they're gonna win this weekend I think if they do I do think it'll be against USC. Um, Juju always has the chance to to take over a game. I think they win I I want to think they win both games next weekend. I think they beat Washington pretty easily. I think Oregon's a better team than Washington. I think without Charlize Ledger Walker, who's the best player in Washington State, she's been easily. she's out for the year. I think without her, I think Oregon can win that game. They've been on a slide since her injury. And I think they can beat Cal. Like I they should have beat Cal last time. They were up big. They're up by nine in the third quarter. Um they, they should have won that game. The turnovers at the end of the game just ended up haunting them like they have all year. I don't know if they can beat Stanford, but I, I do think there's three at least three winnable games the rest of the way for the Ducks. Um I don't know.
2: It's I mean, like I said, I, I think with the way that this team has been trending, you know, even though they didn't have the, the ideal result against Colorado and you saw, you kinda have to realize the teams that they've been playing. Like they played so many ranked teams in a row It doesn't matter, you know, what state Oregon's in. It's a tough schedule no matter what. Like, even if they would have had the team from last year facing this type of schedule, there's a good chance that they still would have had the same record. Maybe a little bit better, but, like, they've just had such a tough season opponent-wise and injury-wise.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the pack has just gotten better this year. Like, Utah, even at only number 20, looks better than they did last year. Colorado looks awesome. Uh, Stanford UCLA USC all have been have been awesome this year so it's a it's a tough tough time for Oregon right now
2: yeah I mean but I think there are brighter years ahead especially yeah. with the move to the Big Ten I feel like they're going to be able to compete next year uh, Big Ten for women's basketball I mean it's still a pretty solid conference overall Ohio State Indiana right now the top two teams Iowa at number three even though they have Caitlin Clark you know that you can expect them to make kind of a, a postseason run in the NCAA tournament but with the additions of Oregon Washington, USC and UCLA, like it's definitely going to be one of the better conferences for women's basketball. And I think that if Oregon could do some, you know, recruiting in the off season and really get these, you know, chance gray and um, some of these younger players, some help. I really think that this could be a, a very dominant team next year.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I would say if they just get the, some uh, pieces coming from the recruiting class, I feel like they can, they can compete in the big 10 with, with uh, chance gray coming back and grace. Manson and all them.
0: we have, uh, Five minutes, call it three and a half. What do you guys want to talk about?
3: Talk about anything. Anything. Super Bowl, I don't know. No. 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 No, <laughs> no Super Bowl. No, Austin
2: does not want to <laughs> talk about it. Uh, oh, my bad. I forgot. You were 40 My fault. What, ha- what did you, mm. like, what was your honest reaction? Yeah, what did like, you think? What did you, you feel? So Walk us through it.
0: So, the day of, and, and the whole week, I'd been planning to just watch alone in my bed, mm-hmm. and then at 3.19 i was like it's gonna be so depressing if the niners win the super bowl and i am in bed so i made a panini because um we have a my my family and, and my my close friends have a like panini maker not curse like a like a superstition yeah where we fully believe that if you have a panini maker on during any big bay area sporting event they're going to win um in the post It's been proven, like they legitimately have never lost when the panini maker is on during the game. Um, However, I did have to turn it off because I didn't want my apartment to, you know, burn down. So I thought at least I would try to try to bring out some of the magic. Um, So I made a panini, headed over to my friend's house, sat in the corner of his couch, and just like I went like completely pale the entire game. I was so nervous, Um, and then the game finished, and I. I wanted to cry, but I didn't because I was just so like numb.
2: Yeah, I Bad mean, I, honestly, like, like at least with football, you know, when the Bears, you know, made the Super Bowl against the Colts, I wasn't old enough to understand football, right. so you know, I didn't, I don't have that feeling. And you know, lucky for me, all the other Chicago teams have made it to the championship and won, so I'm very grateful yeah. for that. But I could definitely see it being a feeling where. Like it's 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 pretty tough to the make last it
3: because because I'm a Rams fan. The last time the Rams made the playoff, well, before this year they made the playoffs, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So,
2: and that's what it was like
0: for me for a while <laughs> with the Giants, where every and and the Warriors, like I'm I think until the Warriors blew the three to one lead, I had never watched a team lose in the playoffs. Yeah, like it was. You just get so used to it. Right, it was yeah. ten, twelve, fourteen for the Giants, and then fifteen, sixteen for the Warriors. So
3: nice that was. No, they won in sixteen, seventeen. No, no, they won fifteen, sixteen, 15, right? seventeen, and eighteen.
0: They lost in sixteen.
3: Yeah. yeah, that was the, the year they blew a three-one lead in sixteen.
2: To the Cavs. To the oh,
0: coast. you're you're right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was between seventh and eighth grade. Right. Shot <laughs> blocked by James. Um, yeah. <laughs> blocked by James. <laughs> right. Um, either way, that's still like six straight years, and then three after that. I wasn't even. I don't think I was even here when the Warriors. No, I was here when the Warriors lost the finals. I was in Japan when the Warriors signed KD. Anyway, yeah, it was it was a tough one, and then I, w- I don't really I wasn't really a football fan the last time the Niners made the the Super Bowl in in nineteen nineteen twenty, um. So this one this one hurt.
2: It does, but I honestly like the future is bright for the Forty they'll, th- yeah, yeah, they'll be yeah. They'll be back for sure. I mean, as long as they are able to keep Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy and and some of these you know the guys on defense, I I think that they're going to be a a very very good team. But I mean. You know, it's hard to ask, but you got to put some respect on Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. no, he pretty much I, carried. I, I like. He pretty much carried this team. Like, you know, they weren't expected to do well this yeah. season. He had no help receiving wise. Travis Kelsey just wasn't. This wasn't his year at all. And somehow they still won the Super Bowl. So I mean, like, even I like, if he were to beat, you know, my team, I would be like, wow, that you, that it's a legend in the
3: making. Do you guys agree that Patrick Mahomes is the the LeBron James of football? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Except I think he will end up being the GOAT, and I don't think LeBron will. LeBron is yet. already the GOAT. LeBron's
3: no, yes. no, he's not. Are you kidding me? That's horrible. No. We're gonna end what? There.
0: <laughs> LeBron is... He's like You're like, going to end there? <laughs> wow. wow end there. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to mute Jason, and <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for us <laughs> on Quacksmack tonight. Uh, big thanks if you tuned in. Hey, we appreciate it. Be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll have Oregon softball all day. We'll have Quacksmack from 6 to 10 as well. For Saul Gavon, Jason Hardrick. My name is Austin Oda. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for listening to Quacksmack.
3: quack smack on kwva if you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org plus we're on twitter at kwva sports join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m right here on kwva eugene 88.1 fm
2: From our antenna to yours, this is Tony of No Use for a Name, and you're listening to KWBA Eugene.